welcome to the Billowing Hilltop Podcast. I'm still here with the same people. Hello, the same people. Hello, Hello the same people. Hello. Same people. Again. We're all still here in the same place. We haven't gone anywhere. Just messing about. Well, it's um, only five minutes later, so... Don't break the magic. It's much later. We've all become firm friends here in the Command Pod, working away on a little special piece of content. No, I shouldn't use the word content. It's the most annoying word yeah, The thing is, you said universe. that that's going to happen last week now, so it's like a week later, and people would be like, where well, is it? Well, it's because it's... Which may already have been released. <laughs> so there, Lucas. <laughs> and if it was, we hope you enjoyed it. But it's a chat about the Age of Worms. Um, we'll try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible. Anyway, we are always grateful for any ratings or reviews. You can leave us on your podcast app of choice, be that Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Lucas, what's your one? Beyond your Pod. One? Weird one. Beyond Pod, Lucas's weird one. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Billowing Hilto. You can find us on Facebook and you can always email us at hello at billowinghilto.com and we will cram your email into Paul's distended sack for later retrieval. That's it. I've got no other news or information. So let us push on with episode 102 of the Billowing Hilltop podcast, Mothership Connection. In Genoa, it is the custom to pin a live frog to one's lapel and say bibble to passers-by. Have I got that right? That's from Blackadder, isn't it? Yeah. Tonight's beer is bibble by the Wild Beer Brewery. Tonight's beer is... Oh, that's... I saw that. That looked quite nice. They put me in mind of Blackadder. Anyway, whatever. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Hello, everyone. Hello. This is episode 102, I think. We have started book seven of The Age of Worms, The Spire of Long Shadows, which we haven't really talked about, and we maybe should. Should we? We haven't really done very much. We just came out of the can. Well, always always these things. There's a sort of interstitial bit where it's like the end of one, the beginning of another. We haven't really got underway. We've done the levelling up bit, which is... Mm. We've done the magic. We still have no Lucas. Lucas is still convalescing in the South Pole following his run-in with the um, cursed figurine of wondrous power. He's such an idiot. So the Spire of Long Shadows, there's an awful lot of chatter around the Age of Worms. Some of it's ancient all of these message boards that have all been operating for however you know the internet is now an old thing right so this is stuff from like 2006 where people are talking about this as it came out in the magazine originally Uh and then there's layers and layers like sedimentary rock of people talking about all of these different adventures there was an awful lot of chatter about the one we just finished uh, which we discussed briefly last time who who wrote this one the new one i think it's somebody called i think it's jesse decker wrote this i think jesse decker is quite involved in the role-playing industry like has gone on to do interesting things but i'm not certain the last one was written by wolfgang bauer who is a big deal right graham yep he's midgard and a load of stuff cobalt press cobalt the chatter around this adventure and i've read it so i mean a lot of this chatter does make sense is that this thing is absolutely lethal oh a different level entirely from what we've been doing before just awful (laughs) right there are multiple threads on the paizo gm message boards that just talk about how you might rein it in a little bit or what you do if you kill everybody you know all of that it seems to have a sort of bit of a reputation certainly i I mean uh, yes it's a different deal i think what's going to be interesting is how it plays out in terms of the story because there is a difference between a dungeon crawl, and I think that that last section that we just did was a bit of a dungeon crawl, albeit quite flavourful and interesting in terms of the way that it was set up, uh-huh. and a meat grinder. Right. This is definitely a meat grinder. Okay. There you go. 
this is not a spoiler. This is something you could discover from reading the back of the box, as it were. Yeah. So someone could die. It'll be very interesting to see how well balanced this all comes out in the 5th edition conversion, for whom I rely heavily upon Brian Criswell, whose conversion we've been using all the way through since the very beginning, and then one or two particular users on D&D Beyond who have been creating 5th edition versions of the creatures that you will encounter, should you live long enough to meet them, later in this adventure, and the magic and the effects and all that kind of stuff. I will, of course, constantly monitor and try and get a sense of what is proportionate and what is, you know, there's no point in this. This is not going to be any fun if it's just a complete death trap. Well, I mean, it will be enormous fun for me, but other than, <laughs> right, it'll be great. But I want to enjoy playing this dungeon with everyone and have it be fun. Right. Let's just go back to Cuthbert, who's just appeared. Where we left things, you were outside the Whispering Cairn. You'd saddled up and fed your imaginary horses. You were about to head north on the instructions of Hestiesbot, Hestiesbot, to find the famed archmage Marcus Doombringer, somewhere called Truespire, on the shores of the Lake of the Cold Sky, to the north of where you are, through the hills. You were just about to leave when out of nowhere popped a little, well, I can tell you what it is. It's a little quasit. It's got one green and one grey eye, and it's proffering towards you a wooden chest. And then next to it, crackling into existence in a sort of Princess Leia kind of help me Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of way is the figure of Cuthbert Outsplinter. What Cuthbert Outsplinter has to say to you, I will leave to Paul. Hello, Paul. <laughs> um, uh, um, oh, God, Granny. Yes. No, do I have to? Really? Do I have to? Uh, okay. And if they say yes, then um, then I don't have to go under the stairs. And, and if they... Oh, no. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, yes. Otto's the... irresistible dance. Are you casting it on the Quasit or on the projection oh, of Cuthbert? No, I'm just threatening it <laughs> at okay. the moment. Um, that He's bit not of worth the, the rod magic. thing that you've got, um, just uh, put it in the box. The uh, Quasit right. takes one step forward towards you and opens the lid of the box. In the box are two gems, the two gems that Cuthbert took before yeah uh, these uh yeah um uh if you put it in the box you can have the gems and uh and bad things won't happen to you uh granny you sure um he's looking off to the side do you, do you, bad things uh, yeah if you okay. don't put it in, bad things are gonna happen okay bring it on right uh i haven't got any spells what are you doing? to work out You're doing where anything? he is this Quasit is eyeing you all dispassionately, just I, holding this chest out. I'm picking up a twig off the ground and, and reluctantly shuffling forward, saying, yes, okay. <laughs> and I'm doing a mage hand, and I'm lifting and the, the, uh, one of the gems out of the box. I'll say, <laughs> it's a deal. It's only a bit of... It's a deal. Give us the gemstones. Are you lifting the gemstones out with a mage hand... Uh, Burple. I'm lifting one of them out, yeah. One of the gems floats up out of the chest yeah. under the direction of your mage hand. Uncle Buggy steps forward and drops a bit of a stick into the box and says, this is what you were asking for? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. I think he's dropped the stick in first and then stepped back. And drops the stick in first. And then, okay, fine. This quasit goes, <laughs> closes the box and disappears. Cuthbert? Before we took the gem out. No, the gem is left floating in the air. Um. Was it not made clear that there were two gems in the box? It was made clear there were two gems in the box. It yeah, was. Okay, were. good. Yeah, it was. 
Um, oh, lovely to see you again, chaps. Um, oh dear. Uh, Granny, not, no, please, don't, not, not down there. And he's gone. There's a kind of crackle. He disappears. Purple. You know, I said that that fragment of the rod. Yes. Was like a mobile phone in a lead line yes, room. Yes, so it's not. Well, suddenly you get the sense that this thing is like on and connected. You can feel the energy from it. I don't know where you're keeping it. In a bag by your side? Are you, I mean, where, yeah, you yeah. tell me where you want it to be. Okay. Even though you're not actually physically holding it, you can feel the energy. You can feel the skein, Purple. Mm. The skein that Hesty Testapod talked to you about. You can feel the connections spreading from you. And you know, like, you know for certain that something knows about the rod and that that thing that knows about the rod is on its way. Like, now on its way. What would you like to do, everybody? Um, something Let's knows give everybody rod. one turn's worth of activity. As a start, I'm not saying it's the all you can do, but let's do a turn, see what you do, and then and then we'll pick it up. I'm activating the boots of speed, running back into the can. Okay, so you can meld with stone pretty soon. Yeah, I'm by a bit of stone wall. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. The surprise. Right, I'm. The surprise. I'm going to cast see invisibility. I like it. Okay. And are you going to move? Yes. We're in the cave mouth, right? I'm saying that you're all out by the corpse of the dragon. Right. In front of the cairn. Yeah. Who has the bit? The actual rod? I've got Uh, the bit. uh, Yeah, I'm going to move back to the cave entrance. People's minis will start moving away from... Yeah, and so I'm just going to fly. We're going to assume that Parker was out in the sward. What do you think Parker would do? Shall I roll the dice to see who commands Parker? Yeah, roll dice to see who What commands. can he do? Okay, one, two, three, four. Graham, Dan, Paul, Johnny. Running a d4, getting a first dice of the evening, getting a two. Dan, what do you think Parker would do? Well, I think he would also run back towards the cave mouth. I don't know what powers he's got. Has he got any kind of buffy defensive powers? Search me. Fangs of the Fire Snake. He's, What's he's, that do? He's got a reach. He's got multiple attacks. He got reach. He's got the gloves of, what's it? He's got the gauntlet thing. Manufactured by the famed Wind Duke Artificer Buntlewort, otherwise known as the Gauntlets of Thunder and Lightning. What do we think sort of casing could we put the rod in that stops this, I think, like a lead line box or a... I don't think... Um, I don't know, that chest that that crash was holding looked quite mm. suitable. It looked like it was sort of lined and... Hasn't someone got a silver case or something that we got there is a pewter box that the finger. The yes, can we put talisman that? of the sphere came in? Or should we put it in there then? Do we think? Okay, I'm flying up into. Alessandra has flown up into a tree. Uh, yep. Uncle Buggy has fled inside the cave. Parker and Burple are at the cave mouth. Right, stuff happens. I'm hiding in my tree. Burple, Parker in the cave mouth. Things appear. It's weird. You know, teleport, Burple. Yeah, you've seen it happen. This is different. Some kind of plain art thing. It's teleporting, but not through magic. Right. (laughs) (sighs) A creature appears uh, out in the path in front of the cave. It's clearly picked its spot to appear. It clearly knows where you are. Purple. Yeah. 
It is a slender, grey-skinned humanoid with an elongated head, kind of weirdly wide as well around the kind of sockets and around the temples. It's got big eyes. Bodak. Ovoid eyes. And they're sort of iridescent. They're sort of sparkling pools of light. It is wearing... Well, it is wearing robes, but it is also wearing weird kind of metal-made bits. Something's around its throat, something sort of harness thing that it's wearing. Attached to the harness, there seem to be sort of weird... I mean, you don't know what they are, like tubes of metal? It's holding a sword, but the sword isn't like any sword you've seen before. It seems to be energy of some sort. Not like magic, just sort of energy. Give me an insight check. Bodex turn you to stone or something, don't they? Or save or die or something horrible Drain, yeah, save or die or drain loads of levels. It looks like it doesn't want to be there. I mean, this thing is very different from your experience. There's no connection. Summoned. Or sent. The sense you get from it, bearing in mind that you don't share any cultural or any language artifacts with it, is, oh god, if we're going to have to do this, I suppose I might as well do it then. That seems to be its attitude. It speaks into something on its wrist, which it lifts up, and more things appear all around you. Same (laughs) things. No, different things. Different things, obviously different things. This is some sort of science fiction thing you're talking about. I mean, everybody's got different ways of describing these things. You know, I mean, it's like Star Trek phasing teleport wrist communicators. They appear all together, these things, again, in this weird way. Um, They look like insects, but they're insects which have got their kind of chitinous plated exoskeletons augmented by some kind of metallic trim or stuff. There's more tubes, right? More harnesses. They're also wearing these sort of collars. It's, it's really odd. There's like tubes coming out of this Space armature suit. that's all around them, running out to these tridents that they're carrying. I've marked the uh, minis. Dear readers, we're looking at the outside of the can and creatures are appearing everywhere. I've marked the four creatures with different colored bases so we can tell them apart. There's blue, green, orange, and pink. Blue, green, and orange carrying these weird tridents. They're just an odd manufacturer. No forge, no smithy, no weaponsmith you know would make a trident like this. They're not actually tridents, they're forks. It's just two prongs. Some weird kind of energy is crackling between those prongs. The purple one is carrying a very odd object in its hand. It Or hands. It's like a kind of metal tube with a sort of... It looks a bit like a crossbow, but without the cross bit of the crossbow. But also just it's made out of some weird material... It's got some sort of canister or something connected to it. And we're going to roll initiative. I'm going to roll for them. We're going to try and capture the rod. Yeah. The gun. Burp, what'd you get? 22. Sessions, what'd you get? 20. Uh, Alessandra, what'd you get? 15. Buggy, what'd you get? 10. And who's going to roll for Parker? Should I roll for Parker? Yeah. I think his initiative modifier is 3. So he's on 9. On 22. These weird things are looking at you. It is purple. Well, let's not mess around. I think I'm going to do Otto's irresistible dance on the big guy. He's not bigger than the others, but looks the like he's guy. probably the leader of the others. He, she, it, whatever it is. Yeah. They look different, do they? The, the other guys look like insectoids. Yes, this yes. Guy's. This thing looks like a sort of grey-skinned humanoid. The others are more like little kind of squat 
wiry, tough-looking little insectile creatures. Can I make any kind of knowledge check to recognise these things? Do. Give me an intelligence check, straight intelligence check. 21. Wow. You don't know what they are, but that's actually quite interesting in the sense that they don't seem to fit any frame of reference that you understand. Humanoid? Well, they're human. They're all humanoid in the sense that they've got two legs and two arms, but the the the, the grunts, head, if they are eyes. grunts, seem to be yes, seem to be insectile, and the other thing seems to be a weird grey-skinned thing that you've just never seen anything like it before. And how did they get here? Because it wasn't a tele- that wasn't magic mm. that brought them into existence. So I'm going to retreat into the cairn. Okay, forty feet. How far is it to the second set of off corridors? It is 30 feet to the first, and it is 60 feet to the second. I'll pop myself around the corner of the first. Okay. Sessions on 20. I don't know what to do. I'm... Hmm. These things are not looking around. They're looking at Burple and the cave entrance. I think for now I'm going to watch what happens. Uh, (laughs) They're obviously hostile. Yeah, I'm gonna see, you've run away. I'm waiting. Let's see what happens. Spirit guardians. It's quite visible. Um, <laughs> at the moment, I don't think they're right. aware of where I am. So I'm right. Who's got this box? Parker. Has he? Yeah. Which box? What are you talking about? Parker that contained the severe annihilation thingy controlly mechanism that we the found. Potentially there. shielding box. Uh, well, okay, you, you've made an enormous speculative leap. Oh, yeah. I haven't done anything about it. I just asked the question. Parker's got it. On 16, it's them. This thing goes... And then it looks to make into the cave mouth. Throw. Oh, yes. And it starts dancing. <laughs> no, it started dancing on my round. It started dancing. And it is currently dancing. It needs to use an action to make the a other ones throw. all sort of swivel in to look at it impassively. Like, what is it doing? <laughs> is it able to do anything other than dance? No, it can make it, no, it can, it can it, well, hang on, hang on. No, that's not true. So it... Can it speak? <laughs> a dancing creature must use all its movement to dance without leaving its space and has disadvantage yes. on dexterity saving throws and attack rolls. While the target is affected by the spell, other creatures have advantage on attack rolls against it. As an action, a dancing creature makes a wisdom saving throw to regain control of itself. On a successful save, the spell ends. So it does speak at you, Burple, or into the cave mouth. You have no idea what it's saying. It seems to be saying something either to you or to the others. But it doesn't do anything else because it uses its action to make it save. And it rolled a big number. The others... So it's start cautious. Well, we'll find out in a moment. The others start cautiously advancing towards the cave mouth, holding their weird, crackly forks in front of them. The one carrying the strange object that's like a crossbow, but without the crossbowy bit, takes the central position and starts sort of nosing their way to the middle so that they look like they're going to be the one to go into the cave first. And that is it for them when we move on to Alessandra on 15. Yeah, Alessandra's quite tempted to just to take a front row seat on this one. Right. Just... I will remember that. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> no. Mm. I have these... I will remember your action, Graham, or lack of. Give you all these magic items. Are we suggesting that these people have had a turn in the combat. Yes, they've all had a turn in the combat, yes. They've had a turn in the combat. Okay. Well, there is one that's right next to Parker. So that's... I'm going to shoot green base. 
Armor class 21. Armor class 21 is a hit. That's 11 points of piercing. Is this magical? Yes, plus two. Okay, yeah. Three points of thunder and uh, yeah. 17 points of sneak. 31 points of damage total, right? Yeah. That obviously wakes it up a little bit. And then... It spins, looking amazed. And then I'm going to take my... I'm going to take my cunning action to retreat into the tree and hide. Okay, Uncle Buggy on 10. Paul, which one did you attack? Sorry. Green base. I'm assuming that you are about 20 or 30 feet inside the can. Okay, I will activate my flame tongue as a bonus action. I'll run up and bash. These things are all around you. They look really weird, Buggy. Off you go. Things are all around you. 20. 20 is a hit on this thing. Takes 12 points of damage, two of which is fire. Yep, it doesn't look very well at all, this thing. Should again. After a couple of, oh, okay. 15. 15 is a miss on the creature. Uh, its weird metallic elements seem to have deflected your blow somehow. Does it look like a melee weapon that it's holding, or a more of a gun? It's a big fork, like a trident, but without the middle prong. You've never seen anything like it before. It's really weird. Can I... Well, being... It goes... It's like an episode of The Mandalorian. Okay, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to move away from it. Attack of opportunity? It if it takes indeed is a, is a we- melee weapon. It is a melee weapon. Right. Uh, hitting armor class 15. No. You can feel like this weird energy close to you as it swipes at you, but it misses. Okay, so I think I moved 40 previously, so back 70 so I'm back right into deep into the cave, cave. is yep. there a side passage I can move off behind yes you can move into the one that Burple is or you can move into the one opposite Burple. I'll move into one opposite Burple so I'm out of any range tax okay Parker on nine he's running Parker it is where are you it is Dan um, do you want me to read Parker's instructions yeah he's we have instructions to, which one's which one's damaged green base green well, it's going to hit the green one, then. Do you want me to tell you what Parker said? Yeah. Uh, I have it here somewhere. Three attacks at plus seven, doing a D6 plus three. First, it does an extra... I mean, this is classic, uh, Lucas. Doing a D6 plus... Okay, hold on, hold on. I've got it written yeah. down here somewhere, so... Yeah, you got it all written down. Okay, great. You do that. Three attacks at plus seven, doing one D6 plus three. The first one does an extra one D6 lightning. Okay, so the first hit... <laughs> it's just so complicated. <laughs> no, it's not. And D20 you know. plus seven hits armor class 17 is a miss oh thank goodness for that uh, much easier second hit miss armor class 10 is a miss and third hit armor class 15 miss nothing changes top of the next round burple what you up to okay what do you want to do i'm what going do you want to, to do, do these things are going i'm going to do a synaptic static 20 foot radius it should get all of them he does get all of them yeah okay um what's the saving throw what's the deal it's a Intelligence saving throw, DC 15. Ah, okay. Well, some of them are going to do better than others. A creature with an intelligence score of 2 or lower can't be affected by this spell. They're not that bad, but let's start with the leader. Yeah. Oh, they made it. It's fine. Then we've got the others. They haven't got such good intelligence scores. Let's see. It's the orange... (laughs) Natural 20. 20. Purple uh, fails... Green fails, which is the important one. Blue 
2019 makes it. So, the two failed. Two failed. They take. Oh my goodness gracious me. 23 points of damage saved. Dice were rolled there. Okay, so blue saved, orange saved, purple failed, green failed, and is zoinked. Its little brain just goes. Drops to the ground. Okay, so the one that failed. Sessions and Alessandra, can you both give me perception checks, please? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that would be 27. Bloody hell. Oof. 22. Okay. Both of you. Something's happening on the back of the neck of the green one as it slumped to the ground. Something chattered into life, like a little disc thing. Mm-hmm. Probably the size, in our terms, of a 50 pence piece. It's like a little lighty-up thing which seems to be sort of rippling through a spectrum of colours. Sort of... Mm. What else do you want to do, Purple? Then I want to move up to the next passageways. How far back is that from where I am? Another 60 feet or so, right? Yeah. The one on the right leads back to the teleport gate. That's where you go. Yeah. Okay. Sessions on 20. <laughs> Just to remind you, yes. the one that failed <laughs> is a, has to roll a d6 and subtract it from... Oh, the purple one. What, is it purple? I thought you said yeah. it was pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got okay, it. Okay, the purple. For a minute. <laughs> Sessions wondering what you should do now. Uh, okay, if you're nice, straightforward combat, to use your new magical items... Yeah, the new magical items. Straightforward combat? No. Hide in the tree like a little baby. Exactly. Exactly the right place to be. Do you know which magical item you are using? Yeah, not the new one because it doesn't really give me anything. Mm. Not sure the new magic items riff is a good one, you know. Oh, God, here we go. I got shafted. I did. I did. (sighs) I couldn't use any of them to any effect. What a load of tosh. Right. Um, I think. Therefore, I am. Um, they just laid out before you like a carpet of target sessions. Yeah, but I'm not really. A, I don't have offensive spells particularly. Because you picked heroes. Dimension door back to us. Well, I was thinking that to keep everyone together. Okay, I'll do that. Back to the teleport, teleport gate. Gate, yeah. Purple, you hear. And Sessions appears. Hit him. It's them on 16. Are any of you actually in a position to see any of this now, apart from Alessandra? I'm looking back down the corridor. Okay. You can hear the leady one go. And you can hear the other ones go. And the purple one starts making its way into the corridor, holding this weird object in front of it, and the others are following up. It's looking like it doesn't quite understand what it's meant to be doing, and the leady one is basically doing a buggy and hiding at the back. Hey, that's uncalled for. Uncalled. That's why it's called Uncalled Buggy. Uncalled Uncalled. for from the DM. So it's just burping. Oh, God. (laughs) Painful. Together. Let's jump onto the cairn map. We might as well, right? Yeah. The 
leader is periodically looking at this wrist thing and looking up into the corridor. It sort of points in your general direction, Purple, and goes... <laughs> and the others start moving their way up, looking like they're kind of trying to find you. And we move on to Alessandra on 15. Oh, Alessandra's going to fly down and, and take a shot at the leader. Hitting on plus 19. Ooh, exactly what you need. She does nine points of piercing and six points of thunder damage. It spins round. And then she takes a dash action and flies up above the line of sight of the cave entrance. Okay, you hear. Uncle Buggy on ten. Right, so I'm going to go... I'm ranging. I'm going to start ranging. Yes. I'm trying to get the pink one and the leader in a line so I can turn into a lightning bolt. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I understand what you're trying to do. So yep. I'm going to run up and then I'm going to convert into a lightning bolt. And run through the two of them. And throw them through the two of them. And I'm going to use my Wrath of Destructive Storm. Wrath. Destructive Wrath. 60 points of damage. And then okay. I teleport 60 feet. 45, 50 How much damage? There. It's 60 points. Using the Ring of the Wind Juice. Correct. Save to half, right? Yes, a DC 14 dex save to half. First one rolls an 11 that is probably a save i'm guessing it is not a save the pink one takes the full 60, 60 points, points of damage, of damage. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> vaporized you can see its innards mm. bubble with electrical energy and then it slumps to the ground purple you're looking right at it something seems to light up on the back of its neck and start going some kind of uh, resurrection, regeneration. Yeah. Some sort of weird little spectral colour thing. You know, like the whirly wheel of doom on a Mac? Mm-hmm. That the leader... Maybe it's an ex- it's going to explode. I think it's going to Making explode. It save rolls of four. Oh, 60 points of damage. 60 points of damage on the leader. I mean, the leader's got more hit points, right? than the others but even so doesn't look that at all it doesn't look like it's near death but it looks like it's it wasn't expecting to think 60 and points of damage and you appear outside it and there's yep, no you appear real outside. reason for it to think that I've appeared behind it I wouldn't have thought I'm going to metagame it I'm afraid now that you've said something yeah, yeah. Parker on 9 tucked around the corner Parker's just running here oh let's roll a d4 getting a 2 again it's Dan Parker he can't see anything. No. And he can just hear. What's his speed? Zoit. It's like 70 or something, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so he can run up to the blue one and hit it. Hits armor class 20. It's a hit. D6. <sighs> one. So that's 10 points of damage with the first hit. Six of which yes. is lightning. Second hit. Hits armor class 18. Exactly what you need. Doing... Six Three plus another plus another eleven five plus then two d six right because I hit with both yeah another nine well, it looks bloody solidly bloody and then the now you can spend another key point for another no no he's got yeah. one more attack anyway which is a one oh so not going to do anything shall I do shall I may as well have another attack okay yeah. have another attack I am taking the key point you're a two okay purple on twenty two purple on twenty two will cast a haste spell on himself yeah and we'll basically run back to like here 
run right back up into the cairn up towards the main room and the spider webs. Yeah. It's like going back to your old primary school. Everything seems really small. <laughs> Sessions on 20. If you're tucked away around the corner, you can hear the sounds of combat. I'll fly out to the edge of the cave, but I'm going to dip out to here. So you're going to run out, look down south down the main yeah, passageway, do, and then and then dip back again. Yeah, and I'll yep. do Toll the Dead on this blue one that's next to Parker. Wisdom 16. Fails that save. Oh, excellent. How much damage? 12 Blimey. points of damage. It looks really unwell as a result of your spell sessions. Anything else? No, no I've moved back, back in the corner. Right, it's them. Well, let's start with the one outside the cairn. Alessandra, you're sort of flapping away up near the cairn entrance. Buggy, you just outside the cairn entrance. The one that was killed earlier, or downed earlier, there's a sort of muffled crump, and the whole thing just sort of goes... and is just sort of destroyed, like something has gone off. The metal neck ring seems to have detonated or something, and the whole thing is just gone. There's just a pile of insecty parts in a goop and twisted, broken bits of equipment. Next thing that happens is the blue thing attacks Parker. It attacks with its trident. Oh, for God's sake. So useless, these things. If we'd been standing yeah. next to the thing that had imploded, would we have taken damage, do we think? You would have thought if you were standing right next to it, yes. It's going to gamble. It fails the gamble. Its go is over and it has to draw a critical fail card. Uh, This is embarrassing. Your weapon bounces off your target and strikes you in the face. (laughs) You have disadvantage on your next attack. Okay? Where's Burple? Burple's further back. The leader goes... And the red one starts insecting its way up into the cairn. You can see it getting closer and closer, Burple. The leader does the same, ignores Parker. Sooner or perception check. 20. The leader notices you, Sessions, as it goes past your cross passage, but it doesn't react to you. It seems to be obsessed with heading north. That's it for them, and we move on to Alessandra on 15. Alessandra's going to do the dash action and then a move action to get her within sight range of the leader, just the other side. The alcoves and yes, hitting arm class ugh, 16 is not going to be enough. 16 is a miss, and that is her round. Buggy on 10. Where's he gone? The leader, the leader's run right in. And slightly further north of the leader, there is the one which has got a red base. They seem to be racing into the heart of the cairn after burp. 140 feet. Oh, I can actually sort of get just past it, I think. 140 feet, avoiding any attacks of opportunity as far as I can get down into the kit. So you want to stay a little bit clear of them as you run past them to yes. make sure that they don't get to swipe at you as you run past. You're running as fast as your tiny little legs will carry you yes. up as close to them as possible. Okay, done. Parker on nine, this thing is right next to you. It is... Oh! Paul! In a massive blow to our overall Sorry, what? efficiency. <laughs> who doesn't understand how Parker works. <laughs> He has to run Parker for a round. Parker just hits the blue one. Parker just hits the blue one. Just roll a d20. Just roll a d20. D20, yeah. Just roll a d20. I'll roll a d20. Yes. Then get away from it. 12. Okay, 12 is a miss. Roll again. again. Ooh, that's a 19. Okay, that's a hit. That's a hit. Roll a d6 and another d6 and add three. Roll a d6 and another d6. That's six. Nine. There we go. You're much better at rolling damage than Dan, isn't it? Plus six is 15. 15 points of damage. Now roll another d20. This thing drops. This thing drops. There you go. 
and a weird little coloured circle seems to activate on the metal collar around its neck. Mm. Now move. Parker moves the hell out of there towards the leader. Purple on 22. Getting there now. Getting very close. Stay on target. Purple, who is now hasted, mm-hmm. is How going... How fast can he move? He has a speed of 40. Yeah. So he can move basically 120 feet. Shame Double. It's quite, shame it's not quite as fast as me. But 160. <laughs> sorry, 160. 160. <laughs> I'm going to try my new swords on the red guy. So I'm going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you're just going to say numbers. Y- yep. Yeah. That's uh, eight is just a move. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think the readers will like this. Yeah. They're loving it. Back down the passageway, but tucking your self around the corner and then what are you doing with this thing oh i'm hitting yes, it's it. great radio isn't it i'm Johnny? hitting it so with the sword of zosial dun, 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 first hit with the sword of zosial since i on the red thing do it on the pink guy the leader yep yeah nothing like sorry high I'm, energy action is there just you know i'm getting used to uh, all the slow that you know i've got going on right so hitting <laughs> armor class 27 Oh, damn it. It's a hit. Doing I wanted it to be a miss. So I can go, miss. Seven. Seven? I'm not done yet. Seven. Rubbish. Plus. Mm, yeah, that's not very good. Plus. Nice. Seven is not great, not, is it? Not, not like the 60 wait. you did, Jules. I mean, even this thing goes. Ten. This is a bit Lucas. It goes. If only you moved a bit faster. <laughs> What's that? That's a one. That's not really moved the dial, is it? 11, 11 points. points of damage. Shut up. It goes. Okay, well, I'll hit it with the other sword then. Oh. 21. No, oh, damn it. Doing yes. 11. Total. Yeah, for the second say, hit. For the second hit. 11 points of damage. It's looking really not very well at all. And then I'll run back out. Sessions on 20. Was that the red one he was hitting? No, it wasn't. It was the big one. Leader. So I did 21 points. A mere 15 feet from you, Sessions. Yes, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. 21. It's not. You know, yes, I have it. I have it's it. It's not nothing. I think Lucas looked I like Lewis Hamilton. No, I said it looks very wounded. God. It will get you a bit snippy. But that's fine. Okay. I'm going to... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very bad-tempered. Yeah. Invoke the spiritual weapon. It's time everybody went onto the mats and had a apple and a story. <laughs> crushing coin on top of it. <laughs> crushing coin? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Damn it. Yeah, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Uh, I'm a class 13. This is probably a miss, yeah? Miss, yeah. Right, and then it's my bonus action... That's a bonus action. I'll cast um, Toll the it's Dead on it. It's your bonus action. Tumbling dice. Yeah. There we go. It rolls. Oh, it mm, fails its saving throw. Uh-huh. Uh, How much damage uh, is that? 2d12. excited. 20 points of damage. It grabs its elongated bonce in dismay and slumps to the ground. The back nice. of its neck, the little disc, lights up starts swirling with spectral colours. On 16, there are a couple of explosions behind you. Blue and purple both detonate with a muffled crump as their forms are destroyed. And then I'm going to fly around the corner. Alessandra on 15. She's just going to... Final dude. Yeah. Please take it out. Let's... Arm class 20. There's a hit. Doing... An enormous nine points of piercing and four points of thunder damage. 
Can somebody make a perception check? And Buggy can make a perception check. Parker can make a perception check. Eleven. Buggy, that's enough. The red one. The moment that the leader is killed, the weird spectral rainbow color thing activates in the back of its neck, even though it's still up, even though it's still moving. Okay. It's and it's your turn on ten, Uncle Buggy. Instead of hitting it, I'm going to try and grab its weapon out of his hand. Okay, it's got a sort of weird tridenty thing. You can disarm, can't you? Something to do with superiority dice. That must be something Disarming else. Disarming attack. That is something that's to do with being a. That's a fighter thing. It's going to explode anyway, isn't it? So uh, I'll just move away from it. Just run away from it. Uh, you know, maybe the easiest rule for that Mike, would just be to have the person trying to do it roll at disadvantage, and the person trying to hold on to their weapon roll at advantage on the strength check. I mean, I'm happy to do this. I'm just thinking that. Obviously, I'm going to be happy because it's massively advantageous to me to have a rule whereby people can grab your stuff off you. Um, well, no, let's leave it. I'll just move away. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say advantageous. I mean, we're not in a confrontational situation. I am friend guide storyteller. Of course, I wouldn't. No, you know, of course not. Abuse that rule in order to be 16 uh, armed. Can you cheap rephrase? I'm not running away. I'm I'm moving tactically. Yeah. Did you hit from it? it? You're tactically repositioning. Its little light has switched on in the back of its neck when That's the leader was killed. Up. Distancing myself, tactically repositioning. Parker, are you Certainly tactically not repositioning? Should I roll a d4? Here we go. Two is down again. Is, he gonna, is Parker going to tactically reposition? Parker is going to back away. Yeah. Well, running away, are you? Radius. Purple on 22. Standing right next to one of these things when they went off might be potentially a little yeah, hazardous. It hasn't had a go. It's about to. Yeah, move back a bit further. Is everybody basically just keeping a distance yeah. from these things? Yeah. On 16, the red one and the leader both detonate with a muffled crump. The insectile one just drops in a pile of exoskeletal bits and goo. The leader just goes... <laughs> everything just goes spurts out, right? No. It's a much more Did fleshy organism. Those? No, 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 utterly, no, utterly useless monsters. <laughs> I thought you said we be beefed up dungeon. We did all right. We kept our distance and just took them out from range. There's nothing on them. I mean, basically, it looks like they're so established so that destroying them or putting them down means they self-destruct. So whatever weird place they came from, whatever weird, I don't know, artifacts or stuff that they had on them makes no sense. Just seems so odd. They just appeared out of... They didn't seem to use magic to teleport in, but they did teleport. Seems like they were a GM's artifice. Just uh, Clearly, they must be something to do with the Ouch Splinters. It must be something to do with what happened then with Cuthbert Ouch Splinter. <laughs> As Burple kind of perceived when they first appeared, there was a sense that they were somehow under duress or honouring a contract or something. They seemed like they didn't really want to be there, but they were forced to be doing the thing that they were doing. Do you want to pick any little bits and bobs up of what's yeah, left, anything, just in yeah. case? Search the bodies. There are fragments and remnants of the weird metallic stuff that was... Yeah, yeah shove it in the bag of holding. I'll yeah, give it to the Little bits and bobs. And then you can set off north on your imaginary horses. The Elmshire Road is the road that runs up through the Cairn Hills. You're only, a, oof, I don't know, about two or three hours from it, maximum, going across country. How far is it? It's about two days, but you can stop overnight at Elmshire. The road winds north through the Cairn Hills. Shall I show you the big map? Yeah. Because there's a new map. Oh. Show us the new map, Mike. 
Show. Oh yes. New map. You're the can. As I am pinging. Yeah. I am pinging the can. Then pinging. You need to make your way to the road, the little red track. Yeah. That is the Elmshire Road that winds gently north through the Cairn Hills. You pass beneath the Griffin's Roost, which is the crag, which has the Twilight Monastery at its summit. I think that mm. Lucas probably wants to avoid any monastic entanglements at this point. The weather is warm, fluffy, fair-weather clouds, idle westward, but you can see larger thunderheads building over the Newell Mountains to your east. The road is well-maintained and fairly well-travelled by trade traffic running between the Cairn Hills and the Lake of the Cold Sky to the north. And the lands to the north of the lake, the great lands of frost. Elmshire is friendly. It nestles at the base of the Newell foothills. It's busy with trappers and hunters and fur traders, and you can overnight there at the end of your first day. Out of Elmshire on the next morning, the road becomes quieter. You follow the winding path of the fast-flowing river Ducknoid <laughs> through a switchback of valleys <laughs> until you break out from the true highlands and you can see the great expanse of the lake before you. Gentle hills, full green trees cradle the southern reaches of the coastal village of True Spire. Now, Hester Testable told you it was called True Spire. It's also called Sorcerer's Point and this may be a piece of vanity on the part of True Spire's Archmage Lord Marcus Doombringer, because Doombringer has got a problem with the Sorcerer's Spire and Evenstar, the home of the study of sorcery and magic. The general feeling is that he feels he should be the uh, incumbent, he should be the Chancellor of the University and Master of the Spire. There are wide streets, there's plentiful greenery, there's pleasant wooden buildings that speak of peace and ease. Uh, the community buzzes with activity so far as you can see looking down on it there's smoke trailing up from the how big a chimneys. community is is true spiral well, because i've got something to sell elmshire is tiny elmshire is fur, right. fur trappers lumberjacks um hunters mm. this is different you're basically gutter snipe nothings from the slums of diamond lake you have heard of this place called true spire and your sense of it was that it was a place where adventurers would assemble. Not Avengers, but adventurers would assemble. <laughs> it was a concentration point of magic and power. So maybe that's somewhere where you might be able to find a buyer or a, a seller of something that you might be interested in. Okay. North of the village, you can see the dark blue waters of the Lake of the Cold Sky. Rising from a rocky island, I mean, the map's not perfect here, but let's say it's a mile or so out from the shore there's a great spire of pale green stone capped with a vast faceted dome that glitters like a golden jewel and the spire exactly resembles the sorcerer's spire of Evenstar. again that tells you something about maybe the mentality of the person that built it as you approach the village as the path winds its way down towards it you come across a sign, a sign that's outside it with a painting on it it's a background of pine trees around a lakeshore a cluster of low buildings in front of the picture, there's a pair of figures in the foreground, a grinning lumberjack with an axe slung over her shoulder, and a friendly wizard in a floppy hat. Top of the sign, it says, Welcome to True Spire, where there's magic in the air. Population, 530. <laughs> there's a fox curled up, sleeping around the base of the signpost. As you approach, the painted wizard springs to life, animates. It says, Aha! 
welcome travelers you are expected and you see the population count just go bing, 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 from 530 to 535 the wizard goes, Mr. Doombringer has made arrangements. Follow young Crackles here. The wizard points to his feet and the base of the sign. She will take you to the all-seeing eye. Your rooms are prepared and a hearty meal is on the stove. Mm. And the fox awakens and starts like walking into the village. I know. Anytime, any, <laughs> any opportunity to get to use him. The fox wakens and starts walking into the village, which shows signs of rapid growth and investment. There is a high proportion of stone buildings set back from wide streets behind low white fences. It seems a world away from the seedy hovels of Diamond Lake and Purple Bin. And it is then that something occurs to you. The atmosphere of the whole town is similar to that of Hestie's house. The air is warmer. The birdsong is sweeter. The roses are brighter and the grass seems literally greener. Crackles the fox leads you through the village, first past smaller homesteads, a buzzing sawmill. On the river, colourful sails ripple in the breeze at the harbour. You go past prosperous and powerful-looking townsfolk. They look like adventurers. There are well-appointed stores. There are a couple of temples, one for Ort, one for Tonj. There's one for Deborah Kadabra. Seems to be the largest temple. And finally, you're led to a sprawling three-story inn where the doors swing open as you approach, leading into a well-appointed bar. There is a barkeep there, a multi-armed creature of a type you have not seen before. But the glasses seem to be cleaning themselves. A broom busily sweeps the floor, and a tray on a wheeled stand laden with foaming glasses of ale zips past as you enter. Crackles the fox, beckons you with her tail to follow. She skirts the bar, waits at the threshold of a side chamber gesturing you in you're looking at a room a small side room there are three figures in there two are at a table and they rise as you approach one is an elderly human a man wearing the raiment of a priest of tonge next to him there is a capable looking elven woman in well-worn leather armor and then there is a third figure whose back is to you as you enter but turns smiling and says hello how lovely to see you all again. It is Eligos. What? And we will find oh. out uh, <laughs> what Eligos is doing there, whether or not you're going to meet Marcus Doombringer when we pick things up next week. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, oh. oh my son. <laughs> Billowing Hilltop podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Spire of Long Shadows and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Spire of Long Shadows was written by Jesse Decker. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.